This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online, and I wanted to start out tonight with a, a bit of a follow-up of a couple of things I talked about last week. Uh, one of the things I, I, I need to do is I want to make sure that I clarify what I was talking about when uh, I talked about the Second Amendment. Uh, last week, I was mentioning... Uh, well, I am not... For the repealing of the Second Amendment. Personally, I'm not. I think the first ten, you know, they're there for a reason. They're important for the uh, for the governance of, other, of our country. They were important for the, you know, in the inclusion in the Constitution. There was a lot of debate back in those days when they were putting the Constitution together. Uh, I think it was Madison that argued against doing a Bill of Rights, or maybe he argued for them. I'm not sure. But there was arguments back and forth about whether they should have a Bill of Rights in there. Some were saying, well, no, the Constitution covers everything. Uh, but then there were some that said, no, 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 we need, we need these ten to spell things out. Now, the first four are going to be about God. And then the next, oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, that's the Ten Commandments. Anyway. So there was plenty of debate on whether they should be included or not, and it was kind of part of the compromise that is government uh, that they included in there so that everybody would be happy. We get the Constitution ratified, and we get these Bill of Rights listed in there, and you know, every you know, I don't know if everybody was happy or kind of happy or sort of, but it's, that's compromise. It's, that's 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 how it worked. I think it's important the Ten Amendment, uh, the ten of them, and uh, so I'm not for repealing. The Second Amendment, or even going in there and rewording it so that the only firearms that the uh, that the people can bear are those that are used for hunting, uh, certain rifles and certain shotguns, and then nothing else. What I was talking about last week, and the reason I bring it up is that when I was listening to the show listening back to it last week in chat room and I was in chat with uh, with Craig and Craig voiced a little confusion as to what my standpoint was and I could hear that yeah I can understand it so I just that's why I'm clarifying here in the show notes last week I clarified it a little bit but I just want to make certain that what I was doing was is giving advice to those who every time some kind of mass shooting occurs uh, some kind of very tragic shooting, not necessarily mass shooting, but something occurs. There's this, this round of calls for more gun control legislation, more meaningful gun control legislation, when really they ought to just cut to the chase. 
and just say, you know, it's time to repeal the Second Amendment. That's what I was saying. Now, of course, I have you know I have to be a bit of a realist here too, because and argue with myself and say, well, they're not going to do that because no one's going to get on board with that. No one's going to get on board with making that big of a change to the uh, uh, to the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> they're not going to, you know. But still, I think the intellectually honest way of, of voicing this is to say. It's time, you know. America has this weird love affair with guns. Let's. It's time that we break that. It's time. But you know, that was what I was saying. I wasn't saying that I personally agree, think that way. But that was my advice to those. Just come on and just just stop with the death of a thousand cuts, and just go right. Just go for it. This is what we got to do. Uh, also, to follow up on some of last week, I talked a little bit about uh, the uh, the results of the the Officer Yanez uh, Philando Castile case here in uh, uh, in Falcon Heights, which is uh, part of kind of kind of part of St. Paul, right? You know, it's a suburb, it's a little town, sort of tucked next to St. Paul, uh, where in uh, July last year, uh, Philando Castile was uh, driving with his girlfriend and her daughter. And uh, got pulled over by Officer Yanez and his partner, and uh, Castile was someone who has a, a right to carry permit. That's that's what it's technically that's what it's called here in this, in Minnesota. I believe it's a it's a shall issue permit for a right to carry. It's not a conceal carry. Uh, you don't have to conceal the weapon. You can carry it open as long as you have the permit. You can do that. It's just a right to carry, a right to own, the, the, and carry a weapon. We have a right to own them, but not necessarily to bring it around with us. So we have to get this permit. And some years ago, the legislation finally went through that said that uh, it's not at the discretion of like a sheriff or the chief of police or something like that. It's more, it's a shall issue. It made it a lot easier. You still have to go through training and uh, take some tests or something like that. You have to, you know, understand all the consequences of it. And Philando Castile did that, and he had a permit to carry a weapon. And the reason I'm bringing it up again is since last week's show, since I recorded it, the uh, dash cam video from the police car. Uh, was released. Now, this was something that the, the that was shown in in trial. The jury had seen it several times. As I understand it, while they were deliberating, they asked to to watch the video again. So they they watched it several times. And through their deliberations, they still came to a decision that the state did not prove its case, and they acquitted Officer Yanez of. Uh, I think it was three charges. One was second-degree manslaughter. The other two, I believe, were you know two charges of uh, endangerment with a weapon, something like that. And I think that was as related to uh, Diamond Reynolds, who was the uh, the girlfriend of Castile, and her daughter. You know, so one count for each of those. I believe that's what that was about. But the jury somehow, you know, I, I wasn't there. This is what I said last week. Wasn't there in the jury room. I wasn't there in the in the in the trial, seeing with the evidence that they saw. Uh, you know, but they came to that decision. They came close to being a hung jury, in that uh, they were eight to four 
for acquittal. I believe that's what the count was at some point. And they went into the judge saying that they were they didn't think they were going to be able to break the deadlock, but the judge compelled them. So he says, "Now you get back in there and you you keep working on this." Not enough time had gone by, so they they did, and they they did come to an acquittal. There were two. This is the stuff I've learned since then. There were two African Americans on the jury. Uh, I have not seen anything in the newspaper or on TV, any kind of a report from any of those two, from either of those two jurors having been interviewed. Uh, I have seen one juror uh, interviewed. I think there's at least another one, but I've seen one. She was an older woman, a white woman, and she was talking about the, the, how they came to that decision. And she was asked if she... You know, what the African Americans on the jury thought, and what what was any concerns there, and uh, she said that uh, they did ask the, the the two of them. This is do you, to see if they thought that there was any kind of racial motivation in this or something to that extent, and they said there wasn't. Uh, but again, but there, and so the video comes out of the dashboard cam thing, and I've only watched it once because I really can't. And I, I, you know, as much as I want to be uh, as thorough as I can be for you, the audience member, it's really hard to just to, to just watch it again. Uh, it, there is audio. Uh, at first, there's no audio as you see the video. So like ten, it's about ten minutes that it was released. And uh, first, you see from the dashboard cam, you see uh, the back of Castile's car. And in and you they get he gets pulled over and then as soon as the officers uh, come out of their vehicles the sound comes on and, and so then uh, Officer Yunez goes to the driver's side the other his partner goes onto the passenger side stays up on the sidewalk and um, it starts out fairly calm it seems. Where uh, Yanez is telling Castile, he says, "I pulled you over because your brake lights aren't working. You know, you could do, your passenger side lights up, but your driver side doesn't. And the third one, the one that's up in your back window, that's not lighting up." Now, Yanez said later that uh, Castile resembled a, a fellow that was uh, um, um, identified, or at least you know, a suspect in a in a uh, armed robbery of a convenience store just a few days prior to this and not all that far from where this took place and so that was you know so pulling him over because of the brake lights was uh was just a way to pull him over and check him out so you know i don't know if he has admitted that but he did say that that was part of his thinking that this guy kind of looked like well what happens in in the video he he gets the driver's license and proof of insurance and um, and then he's, he tells him why he's he's pulled him over, and it, and then at some point, uh, right about right about there, right about after being explained why he pulled him over, you can hear Castile say that he need you know he says I need to inform you, uh, or or I want to inform you, or I want to tell you I don't remember the exact words, uh, that I I do have a, a permit to carry and I do have a weapon, on me, uh, words to that effect. He tells him that. And now we're only seeing this from the dashboard of the patrol car behind this. So we don't see Castile at all. He's inside the car. We can't see him. We see Officer Yanez. And now 
Officer Unis starts saying, "You have a weapon. Don't pull it out. Don't pull it out." And he, and then he, he's got now he's got his weapon unsheathed, and he's got it in the in the driver's side window, and he starts popping off bullets. I mean, um, you hear Castile say, "I'm not pulling. I'm not." And and then it's just bam, 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 bam. It a mere seconds. Um. It seems to me, and again, I'm a layperson in this. I'm not a cop. I don't know what it's like to be a cop and to be in that situation. But it sure seemed like uh, Officer Hernandez was a little quick on the draw. Seemed that way to me. Uh, and we learned that, uh, uh, I guess, the last words, Castile's last words was, I wasn't reaching for it. Uh, I hope I have that exact, but... Real close to that, I wasn't reaching for it, or I think those were his last words. Uh, well, again, I the jury saw that, and they watched it several times, and somehow they didn't see it as they they believed what the officers tell him that he feared for his life, and 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 you know, and the after in the aftermath of the shooting, I mean, you can hear Yanez just dropping f bombs. He's freaked out. Uh, eventually, he gets moved away from the car. Other officers come and take control of the situation. Uh, Yanez is led off camera, but you can hear him talking to another officer or, or his superior or something. You can hear him, and he said, "I told him not to reach for it. I told him not to go pull it out. I told him." And 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 the girlfriend was saying he wasn't going for his gun. He was going to get his permit or his his, you know, his driver's license or something. And I thought, wow, <laughs> you know how. And I don't know how uh, how it would have been avoided. I was thinking, boy, you know, are you, you would think. So here's the thing. This is what occurred to me. You would think that there's this training to be able to get this permit. You would think, and maybe it is, and maybe you know, uh, um, Castillo was doing you know, what he was. Uh, actually, he didn't even have to tell Officer Yanez that he had a weapon. He didn't have to even tell him. In Minnesota, you don't have to tell the police officer if they pull you over and you, you're carrying a, a weapon. You don't have to tell them. If they ask you, if the officer asks if you have any weapons on you, then you have to tell them, and then you tell them that I have a permit to carry and all that stuff. But you don't have to volunteer that information. Castile did. And I think he, I, I, I think he was probably thinking, you know, this would be, you know, be honest with the officer and let him know, warn him and, and you know. Uh, so that so that I don't end up getting shot. Well, <laughs> didn't quite work that way, did it? It's, and I thought there, you would think that there's some training involved that says how do you handle a situation where you're carrying, you're a permitted carrier uh, of, of a firearm, and you're pulled over by police. What do you do? There's got to be some sort of training in there about that. And, you know, uh, I, I am pedantic, but not enough to actually go and suss it out. Maybe over the next week I'll look in and see what kind of training is available. Uh, but I did find a Facebook friend linked a uh, video. There's a, there's a woman that has a series of videos, and uh, she, calls, she calls herself uh, Armed and Feminine. And I guess it's, uh, you know, a bunch of, a series of videos talking about women and guns or something or related to that. There is a video, I'll link to this in the show notes, there is a video where she talks about uh, how do you handle a situation. You, as a permitted uh, gun owner, permitted to carry, 
How do you handle a situation when a police officer pulls you over? What do you do? And she, so she, she plays out this scenario. The video is like, I don't, know, I don't know, 10 minutes or something like that. And she has an actual police officer. Uh, she's out of Pennsylvania, so she has this, this this police officer. They mentioned Pennsylvania in there for whatever. She says the laws here are you don't have to, uh, you don't have to say that you have a weapon. Um, but uh, you know, she said, make sure you know what the laws are in your state. If you're carrying, make sure you under, you know what you're supposed to be doing. And so she goes through some scenarios. She talks to the police officer about what he would like, you know, what the police would like to see done, how to you know, to make sure that the police officer feels safe and realizes you're not going for it. And a lot of it is keep your hands on the steering wheel. Keep your hands where you can see them, where where he can see them, or she depending on the, you know. Uh, keep your hands where the, the police officer can see them and be calm, listen to the instructions the officer gives you and follow those instructions. I know there are those out there that say, oh yeah, you just want to live in a police state and just do whatever the police tell you to do. Well, you know something? The police officer has a gun. I don't. And I generally will do what the guy with the gun tells me to do. You know, uh, I, I take that as a, as a policy. Now, I haven't had a, uh, a lot of run-ins with cops, but when I get pulled over, you know, I, I, yes, sir, no, sir, here's my, you know, I, I do that. I pull over, I, get, I make sure the window's down, take the key out of the ignition, put my keys up on the dashboard, I get my wallet out, I get my license out, I get my insurance, proof of insurance card out. I have all that ready and sitting up on the dashboard, and I sit with my hands on the steering wheel. So when the police officer comes up, I don't present any kind of a threat, and I've got everything ready. Not that I get pulled over very often, but it's happened twice. Anyway, at least where I ended up getting a ticket. <laughs> I got pulled over just because it looked kind of weird, because you know, it's really late at night. Why are you leaving this building? Well, I'm a janitor. I just got done cleaning. So that's happened a few times. Anyway, that is a lot of what is said in this video. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Stay calm. Listen to instructions, follow the instructions. Tell the officer. What she did when she did the initial pullover, she gave her she gave the officer, you know, her, her driver's license, her proof of insurance, the registration, and she handed her permit card, her permit to carry card. She handed that all over to the police officer. And she kept her hands on the steering wheel after you know, she hands them over, puts her hands on the steering wheel. And and then the officer says, Oh, I noticed that you you know, she didn't say that I that I had she just you know, she says, you don't have to in Pennsylvania do it, but she did. So it's, it's fascinating. And the thing is, uh, Yanez was shot in July of 2016. Not Yanez, uh, uh, Castile was shot in, in, in July of 2016. Uh, this video was uh, posted to, to YouTube uh, October 2015. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'll try and look into it and see just what are the, 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 the training that's done, at least here in Minnesota, when it comes to uh, being a gun owner and uh, being a per permit to carry out there and when you're pulled over by a police officer. There's, I would imagine since the Castile deal, there's got to be some report about that out there somewhere. I mean, wouldn't you imagine there would be? I, I would. Well, okay, I got to the first break. That's catching up on the, you know, some of the heavy stuff from last week. I uh, kind of caught up on that here. So uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I'll head to a break. I'll be back shortly.
it raining? Oh, no, it's music. <laughs> Station identification. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Operating frequency on ztalkradio.com. Did you see that UFO sighting that made the news? What did that latest study about alternative treatments really say? Is this photo making the rounds real or a hoax? Delphal News is a unique website featuring news about pseudoscience, the paranormal, anomalies, and questionable claims framed with a skeptical view. Come visit DelphalNews.com every day for news about cryptozoology, conspiracies, shams, scams, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Delphal News. Critical thinking is essential in assessing today's news. Delphal News helps you decide, can you really believe this stuff? Okay, I have something here. It's, it's an EVP. I'm telling you, it's really something. Um, I need to call it up. I gotta tell you, this is uh, really shaking me. I need to play it for you. And, uh, well, I won't, uh, I won't prejudice your mind as to what you're gonna hear. I won't prime the pump. Just have a listen. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? I, I I think that was clear as day. I heard, well, I don't understand it, but it's I heard bread trout, clear as day. Ooh, creepy. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network. You listen when your body says, "I'm tired," or "I'm hungry." What if your body said something else might be wrong? Gynecologic cancers. Cervical, ovarian, and uterine cancers have symptoms, so pay attention. If your body says something may be wrong, please listen. Learn the symptoms. Get the inside knowledge about gynecologic cancers. A message from HHS and CDC's Inside Knowledge Campaign. <laughs> We're scaring up a good time on your favorite radio station. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Did you know that swindler, the word swindler, is considered anti-Semitic? Well, hang on there, Sparky. Not so fast. story came out uh, just this past week. Uh, the, in, and I'm sure it's the same in your state. Uh, each year, your state has a has a fair, a state fair. Our state fair 
is the best state fair in our state or something like that and yeah don't miss it don't even be late our state fair is a great state fair oh sorry i'm getting sidetracked in my head here uh anyway so minnesota has a, has a state fair it takes place in the last couple of weeks of uh um last week of august into the first week of september depending on when labor day falls uh it's it's the last day of the fair is labor day and then the next day all the kids go back to school so uh <clears throat> anyway so it's a it's a it's a joyous occasion for parents throughout the state well at state fairs they have the the food vendors and in Minnesota, it's, uh, you know, just about every food that there is, it's on a stick. Snickers bars, deep fried, on a stick. I think that is an actual thing they did. Put in some kind of batter, and then they deep fry it, and you eat that there, and then you have a heart attack. And, uh, you know, then they throw you in the compost heap at the back. Well, there's a, uh, there's a food vendor there that goes by the name of Hideaway speakeasy hideaway speakeasy and it has a, a 19 a roaring 20s theme a 1920s theme that uh, has some of the prohibition gangster kind of stuff going on you know it has that that theme and they and they name their food with that sort of stuff in mind so they've they've got food that's uh uh you know it's like it's like a fall guy something a mob boss panini or something like that and it has uh, other uh other food that has uh those sorts of names, uh, the, the gamblers one, and so they were announcing their menu, and within three hours of announcing the menu, uh, they had gotten complaints and changed the name of one of their sandwiches, which they called the Swindler. A uh, Jewish advocacy group called uh, TC Jews Jew Folk, something like that. TC Jew Folk, and that I believe that's tcjewfolk.com. I'll get this sussed out exactly when in the show notes, but I believe I wrote it down that way. And um, th their uh, TC I'm imagining stands for Twin Cities, because you know Minnesota has the Twin Cities, and they raised. Uh, a complaint about this sandwich called a swindler saying that it was anti-semitic and the first couple of articles that I was able to find on this one of which was from the Star Tribune which is the Minneapolis newspaper on their website there was a story uh, written by uh, a woman named Nancy uh, No, something like that, it's N-G-O and uh, uh, she it's just a quick story, and the other stories that we're finding were pretty much the exact same one there. She just she put a couple extra little things in there, but otherwise she was pulling the story from probably from the AP or some, something like that. And it was just virtually all the same wording that I saw in, in two or three other stories. But nowhere in there, in those stories, in any of them that I, that I spotted on that first day, was there at least one paragraph explaining why... Swindler is considered anti-Semitic. Because I, I, when it was first posted onto social media, I, that was my comment. Is, um, why, how is Swindler considered anti-Semitic? I even commented on the Star Tribune 
uh, web page for that article and it said essentially the same thing. I was, I was unaware that swindlers is anti-Semitic. Is how is it? How is it that that it is? What is it about that word? You know, did it derive from something that was you know historically anti-Jew kind of well, uh, rhetoric? Someone in a comment thread suggested that maybe it had something to do, you know, maybe come from the uh, uh, Shakespeare, you know, the um, what was it, the Merchant of Venice? Maybe there was a, there was a, you know, maybe it was part of that. Maybe, maybe that's where it's. That's, you know, I couldn't find anything. I went, I found a, an online entomology website. Just put in the word, and they they gave you know, where it broke, came out from. There's a there's a few German words that uh, um, are very similar to it, that uh, mean somebody that's uh, uh, dizzy or uh, giddy or drunk or something like that. And uh, then there was a couple of English words that were similar that might have been there. And it did say that the closest it got to any kind of a Jewish thing was that it was the word was first uh, uh, seen... To occur in in England, uh, in, brought over by German Jews in about 1762 it was the first time that that usage was seen over in England. Um, but it didn't it didn't say that you know typically thought to be anti-Semitic or something. It d didn't have anything like that. See now I understand words like uh, uh, you know Jude down phrases like that. Well, that's that's not that's not good. <laughs> that's you know I, I remember learning that when I was a kid. Somebody had said it. And my mom kind of freaked out. She's oh you, that's what that's terrible. Why would you say something like that? I think it might have been my dad. My dad's not perfect. <laughs> and it's just you know she's like Bob, what are you doing? You know that's that's mean and that's not nice. And I was what? And then she explained it. You know because well you know the stereotype is that Jews are are tight with money or they're you know they're always looking for a bargain and all the you know this stuff you know you know if you've been around you know, and so that's that's I learned okay that's that's not good I, I, that's not a good phrase to hear or say or use because it's not you know it's not true and it's not kind and it's it's just mean right, and then gypped gypped I learned fairly recently within the last. 15, 20 years? Well, I guess that's not fairly recent, is it? <laughs> but when you're 52, you know, it starts to get relative, doesn't it? But uh, I learned that through Dennis Prager, of all people. He was talking uh, about he was talking about the phrase, you know, Jude down. And he was talking about that and explaining to somebody that was a friend of his, he, says, he knows this guy's not anti-Semitic. It was just that he was of a certain generation this was a phrase he didn't realize what he was saying, and Dennis Prager, who is Jewish, explained to him. Says, "You know, you know what that phrase means." And the guy said, "Oh, I, I, uh, I didn't even know that." And then, and then in that in that conversation that uh, Dennis Prager was having, or he he said that he had learned not all, around that same time period that he was telling the story. He had learned that at whatever age he was then that gypped is not. <laughs> Uh, 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 an, uh, an ethnically sensitive phrase that it's it's derived from gypsy, which itself is not even a term used anymore. They they go by Roma. Uh, they call their people Roma, not gypsies anymore. 
So I learned that too. I said, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense because I always thought the word was spelled J-I-P-P-E-D, but when you see it spelled out, it's spelled G-Y-P-P-E-D, and then it makes sense. So there's something, it makes sense that it's that it's derogatory toward uh, a group of people, just as Jude Down made sense because, well, it's right in there. And an Indian giver. Well, that was big when we were kids. And that, that once we learned, oh, okay, that's what that meant. Oh, that's not that's not good either. So, but it's right there in the phrase. It, you you could understand it. But swindler, how how? So when I was preparing for the show here, I learned something because uh, there's there's a guy on uh, talk radio. I mention him frequently. His name's Joe Souchere. And he works in the newspaper business. He's a columnist for the St. Paul Pioneer Press, and and uh, he talks on on the sports talk radio. And he does a kind of more of a political show, and uh, but he'll talk sports. And and he he frequently complains about the state of reporting these days. You know, he'll read an article and he'll have questions that the reporter doesn't ask, doesn't cover, doesn't include in the information in the article. And he always, and he frequently laments the state of journalism these days that that it's not occurring to these people to ask these questions, uh, to give this information. It didn't occur to this woman who put together the article for the Star Tribune to put in a a, a paragraph to explain how it is that Swindler was considered anti-Semitic. Well, I found an article, uh, I guess it's through vice.com, but it's munchies, munchies.vice.com. I guess that's, that's, where, that's where you get to it when you look for it. Um, and I'll link to it in the show notes. And it explained that the word swindler itself isn't anti-Semitic. The situation was open to that. What was happening with the Minnesota State Fair and the hidden speakeasy and their menu was it was the kind of sandwich the sandwich is uh let me see i wrote it down it's uh it's it was smoked salmon um capers uh, cream cheese with uh, dill uh, uh, capers and it's served on pumpernickel so smoked uh, wait a minute smoked salmon Cucumbers, that was the one I missed. Capers and cream cheese with dill on pumpernickel. And that's, it's said that that's a, that's a sandwich that kind of appeals to maybe a Jewish palate, if there is such a thing. But it's the kind of sandwich you would find in a Jewish delicatessen. So the TC Jew folks, that's if I got their name correct, I hope I do, <laughs> they... Um, they said the coupling of the kind of sandwich it was and calling it the swindler was, that's where the anti-Semitic kind of uh, vibe was coming out. And within, like I said, within three hours, they made that complaint and uh, Hidden Speakeasy changed the name of the sandwich. They changed it to Swing Dance. They apologized. They said, look, we had no idea. We didn't realize we were doing it. And the State Fair, the, the Organized State Fair, they apologized as well. They said this was unintentional. Uh, you know, and I think you know everybody says, "Hey, that's cool," but you know we just want you to know that's that's what you were doing, and, and it, that's kind of so. But part of my point there in telling you the story is that if the news report, the first ones I was reading, if they would have thought to just include this is why, because all of a sudden it's like, "What? Well, I can't say swindle anymore. I can't. I can't say somebody's a swindler because what? How? 
Huh? Speaking of swindlers, saw this article. Um, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to act, try not to act like, uh, like I'm Mister Knowledgeable. <laughs> I'll have to, you know, like oh, of course I knew this, but I did know this, uh, and it's only because I have. Uh, I have my dad. My dad is who he is, and I learned this through him. Uh, but and I'll get to it. Don't worry. I like to build. This article comes out. It's shared on the social media. Uh, there's a lawsuit, a class, class action lawsuit, being brought against uh, Menards and Home Depot because when you go and you buy lumber at Menards or Home Depot and you go in to get a 2x4 or a 4x4, four four, did you know they're not exactly 2 inches by 4 inches or 4 inches by 4 inches? That a 2x4 is an inch and a half by three and a half inches, and a four by four is three and a half inches by three and a half inches. Did you know that? Well, that's yeah, I did, and you know why I knew that? Well, my dad's a carpenter, and he's worked in construction for. Uh, he worked in uh, for the same contracting company. Uh, he started out as a laborer, or you know, as a, as a you know, carpenter apprentice or something, and then he worked his way up. And he was a superintendent when he retired back. I don't know how many many years now, but uh, when he retired. Um, he was a superintendent, meaning he ran the jobs, he, that kind of stuff. And we would do some work around the house, and he, a house here. And at some point, he told me that you know, he says now these boards aren't, you know, two by four isn't exactly two by four. You know, the standard is they're three, they're they're two, they're an inch and a half by three and a half inches. That's the standard. And and there are reasons for that. You know, it has to do with whether the wood's uh, you know green or dry. Uh, if it's green, it's thick, it's bigger, and it's got to get planed, and it's got dry, and it's it changes sizes, and and so uh, uh, you know at some point, and this this I learned, there was wrangling going on. I mean, going back to the turn of the 20th century, there was wrangling on on trying to standardize measurements for lumber. And in 1963. They finally standardized it. So two by four and four by four and two by six and two by ten and those those are nominal measurements. That's just the name. That's just what they call it. The true size, the actual size, is you know about a half inch shorter than that. You know if you if it's if if you got a if something's an inch wide, then it's three quarters of an inch. So they they standardized it. In 1963, and if you want a two by four to be two by four, you have to specify true size, and that might be a special order. I don't know how this this works, but so somebody out there that didn't know this went to buy lumber at Menards, discovers that it's not two by four, then went to go went over to Home Depot, discovers it's not two by four. But it's still the same measurement. Of, it's an inch and a half by three quarters. What are they doing? Instead of asking, why isn't it two by four? And having the lumber guy say, well, it's because that, that's a nominal. That's just what they call it. But the standardized is this size. There are reasons for it. And let me tell you, there are reasons. I, I am not trying. You know, I, I'm not sure I understand all the reasons for it. But there are. It's lighter weight. It's, you can you can you can you can transport more of it. You can you know all that kind of stuff. 
And (laughs) instead of learning something and saying, oh, I didn't realize that, they said, I'm going to sue. Because Menards and Home Depot to tell me something that's been in effect for over 50 years. It, it took 50 plus years, but we got the lawyers involved. <laughs> ah, I tell you. <laughs> now, again, uh, uh, I'm not going to pretend that I, this is something I knew because, well, I'm just a fount of knowledge. Uh, I have the experience. No, it's something I know because my dad taught me. But if I was buying lumber and I went and I discovered, hey, wait a minute, these aren't the size, what's going on? And, and I asked them about it. They said, well, no, they would explain to me. I said, oh, okay. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm going to sue. And some of the places do put actual size. So I think that's probably what's going to come of this, that all the places, all the lumber places, because of some some ignoramus didn't know this. And again, I suppose, it's, uh, is it really common knowledge? I don't know. Should I be too hard on the guy? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I should be. Some swindlers came along and found a way to get a class action suit going, well, let's make some money. And then all the people who were wronged that hopped on the bandwagon, they'll get their 50-cent check, and the lawyers will make out just fine. Unless, I don't know, know, unless uh, they get to the trial jury and the judge looks at it, and the judge is someone who works with lumber and says, yeah, everybody knows this. Get out of my court. Okay, uh, I think I should take a break. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Talk Radio Network at ZTalkRadio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I'm not a carpenter either, uh, uh, but I am the son of one. So, you know, maybe... Anyway, I'm just going to go to break. I'll be back. Uh, hang on. Sit tight. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Hey, I almost forgot. It's it's time for It's quiz time on Dimland Radio. Everybody got your pens ready? Okay, I'm going to ask you a question here. It's a multiple choice answer. Uh, can you name the person who said this? That's why I don't eat friggin' lobster or anything like that. Because they're alive when you kill it. Was that A, Mahatma Gandhi? B, Jane Goodall? C, Albert Einstein? Or D, Snooky? This has been Quiz Time on Dimland Radio.
Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Dr. Dim might even have a guest or two. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Network. You're listening to Z Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ZTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. And now oh, it's I'm time for a Dimland oh. Radio pedantic moment. <laughs> yeah, this ought to be good. Okay, I'm sorry. I talked right over it. Um, shall I play it again? What do you think? <laughs> you know, sometimes I amuse myself. <sighs> Here. All right. Okay, I'll play it again. Ugh, talked right over the whole thing. Jeez. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, uh, this ought to be good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> I put it in there so that it would just play after the break. I, I put it in there. It is, and I was looking at it, and I started talking. <laughs> It tells you how conditioned uh, a person can get, because you know if I ever went to a different network, you know how tough it would be to say you know welcome to Dimland Radio on the <gasps> some other network than Z Talk Radio Network. Oh man! Anyway, <clears throat> right, pedantic moment. <clears throat> um, I uh, went on about this about on, on Facebook, and I'm, I'm I think I probably brought it up on this show. Uh, previously, uh, sometime in the past, uh, when it was not on the iTunes. So, I get to do it again, and it's my show. I can do it if I want. Um, The classic horror film from 1973, The Exorcist, has several iconic, iconic scenes. It's got, you know, you know what it's about. It's about uh, a 12-year-old girl a daughter of a single mom who's an actor uh she's uh this this girl is possessed by a demon and uh, a priest is brought in uh who has experience doing uh, exorcism uh this father father Marin I love his w2 a wtf podcast it's just oh different Marin anyway he's brought in to exorcise this demon from her, and he has another young priest that's involved, who's uh, who's doubting, but uh, you know, yeah, it's 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 really good. It's a really good movie. It's intense. 
It's really cool. William Friedkin directed it. He's he's a nut, and uh, it, so it's got these iconic scenes. You know the the uh, when the possession starts, it starts soft, subtle, and uh, there's a party going on, and Reagan comes downstairs and stands in, in front of everybody and then pees. You know, so it's a little puddle on the floor. There's that, and there's the the uh, the projectile vomit, and the levitating above the bed. Uh, the uh, jabbing herself in the crotch area with a cross saying, let Jesus fornicate you, uh, or something like that. And then, of course, the biggest scene, the one that was talked about, I remember it being talked about when we were kids in school when this thing came out, and I was freaked out by this movie without even even seeing it. Just seeing a commercial for it freaked me out. And that's the scene where Reagan's head turns 360 degrees on her shoulders starts out looking straight at the camera or at the at Marin who's doing some kind of nonsense and and then turns around and comes all the way around see a big smile on her face as she does it now I can buy that the demon keeps her alive after this because as soon as she becomes dispossessed at the end of the movie, she should die. She's just dropped dead. Boom. Dead. Head should fall off her shoulders. She's dead. It turned 360 degrees. This, every artery in her neck was torn. Her, her spine, all the nerves are twisted around and broken. It's just, just, she, the skin is either twisted or torn. It's, she's dead. She's Bleeding out inside. If she, if it, if it doesn't, you know, tear all the way off, you know, so it just doesn't bleed externally. She's bleeding out while this whole possession is taking place. But because the demon has this power, you know, and somebody said, "Well, you know, the demon can keep her alive even after that." You know, just, but 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 she was getting scarred and bruised, and those scars and bruises didn't heal when she became dispossessed. They were still there. Well, she wasn't returned to absolute like nothing happened. <laughs> well, it would have been more traumatic for it would have been more traumatic for for her. I she said she didn't even remember the stuff that happened. The movie said she didn't remember it. Well, uh, well, it would be traumatic for the mother. Wouldn't a dead daughter be even more traumatic? <laughs> you know, than seeing the you know than seeing scars and bruises on her on her daughter. <laughs> Uh, and I hope that person that I if this was a specific person that I was chatting with. I'm not going to bring up his name because I I hope he doesn't think I'm you know ridiculing him, even though I kind of in a little bit. But yeah. no, 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 he's a good guy, and I'm I'm just teasing a little. But the only way that this pedant is able to reconcile it, other than to say it's just a movie, just go with it. There is that. There is that. And I do I do appreciate that point of view. And most of the time, I can handle it. The, the The other way to get around it is to say, it was an illusion put in the minds of the people in the room. The, that that it just appeared as though her head all, went all the way around. It was an, it was an illusion that the demon put into their minds. Does that does maybe work? Yeah, it's just because does that work for you? But I just it's just yeah okay. I, I suppose it's the, just a movie. Just go with it. Don't worry about it.
And somebody did say that when I brought it up. They said, well, it's just a movie. What do you, and I said, I, when I put things on Facebook and I'm doing a pedantic thing, I, I always write, warning, pedantic moment ahead. Either I'm posting that on my, on my page or I'm commenting on somebody else's, and I put that in there. And so, because somewhere down the line in the thread, somebody's going to say, oh, you know, you should just lighten up, or you know, it's just a movie. You should just, and I say, I did say I was being pedantic. <laughs> so I, I do that to cover that. That's why I do that. And, and that's, you know, I played the little sounder before this on the show, and they are silly, and they're not, you know, they're not meant to be all that big a deal. Did you know, though, you might find this of interest, uh, that the movie The Exorcist may have inspired the character of Columbo, or, I don't know, maybe Columbo, I'd have to look at the timing, but I've read that uh, Lee J. Cobb, uh, is a terrific actor from the, back from the old days. He's he plays a detective in in The Exorcist, and he's very he's very uh, uh, gentle and respectful and kind and, and almost grandfatherly. And he's very you know it, it, there's a way about him that you think there's a you can see just a little Columbo, not disheveled, not that kind of thing, not kind of like absent-minded, but there's just a way that he handles people. That is, oh, Peter Falk might have pulled something there. Let's see, 73, when did Columbo start? Hmm, I wonder. I wonder. Oh, and did you know that Columbo's first name is Frank? It's Frank. Anyway, all right, so the, okay. Uh, uh, <clears throat> now, my pedantic moments are meant to be, uh, uh, just to be silly kind of things. They're not necessarily uh, supposed to be very serious. Uh, and even... This next thing isn't necessarily serious, but uh, I do have one of these. Yes, I have a Dimland Radio ARG. Uh, ARGs are something that really get under my skin and really bother me and really just sometimes make me angry, so um, sit tight. <clears throat> uh, I have complained about this before, and... Uh, how do I start? <laughs> uh, you guys have heard of Grandma Moses, haven't you? Grandma Moses was an artist uh, who uh, became famous back whenever. And she started painting, I guess, in, in earnest when she was 78. Yeah. So um, she didn't... She didn't spend the previous any of the the previous seventy eight years actually learning how to paint. She just started painting. Eh, you know, gives me something to do. I you know, like it. My family likes them. Yeah, you know. fine. That's that's fine. Just just go ahead. Whatever you do, though, don't show it to an art critic. Don't show it to art critics because. I don't mean to cast dispersions on all art critics, but there's going to be one. There's going to be somebody out there that's going to go, Oh my! Oh, look at that! Oh, your use of color! Oh, so simple, and yet you, you capture the human condition! Oh, this is wonderful! And you end up in a gallery. And you end up being written about in Life magazine, and you end up, uh, you know, becoming world famous. Grandma Moses started painting when she was an old lady. Yeah, and she can't paint for shit. It's it's it's, it's 
She's not much better than, than an average 10-year-old. I was looking at her paintings today. They're, they're, you know, it's, they, they call it primitive. They call it folk art. They call it outsider art. Now, I've seen some pretty cool outsider art. I've seen some pretty cool folk art and primitive. I've seen some stuff that's kind of cool. But it's... You know why they call them primitive? Because they can't paint. They can't draw. They just do it anyway. And why do I bring this up? <clears throat> well, I'm an artist. Spent a lot of years learning how to draw, and I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at drawing. I can do a portrait of somebody, and it will look like them. I'm a pretty good cartoonist. I'm okay at illustration. Depends on what I'm doing. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I went to art school. I trained. Learned how to do this stuff. And then I see somebody like that, and I go, what? Huh? And I bring this up because just this past week, uh, I was watching uh, one of the reruns of Johnny Carson. And he had a guy on there named uh, uh, John Sewell. Now, at the time that John appeared on, on The Tonight Show, uh, he was, he was uh, uh, 95 years old. Johnny introduced him as the uh, the oldest. He's thought to be the oldest living American painter at at the time. Now, Sewell, Sewell has passed away. Uh, you know, it's been quite a while. And he he was a painter. He he worked in vaudeville when he was younger. He 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 did other kinds of jobs. He did stuff. And he didn't start painting till he was in his fifties. He refused to be exhibited. Until he was in his, for, you know, for like 20 years, he was in his 70s, and he first gets exhibited, because some art critic saw him and went, "Oh my! Oh look at this! Isn't this something? Oh, the way you just can do, you paint the human being." You know why John Sewell started painting? So he moved in some house. He had a house, and he he wanted to have artwork on the walls, but he couldn't afford any, so he just painted his own. That's fine. Go ahead. Now I gotta say. John Sewell was a lovely man. He was—he he had a sense of humor. He had Johnny laughing. He was—he was sweet. He had a—you know—kind disposition. He was cute. This is an old fella. You know, Amy would look at him. My wife Amy would look at him and just say, "Oh, what a cute old man." She would—it's—he he was fine. Yeah, that's fine. And if you want to paint, you go right ahead. But he couldn't paint for shit. He sucked. He didn't start painting until he was in his 50s, and he didn't get any good at it. He was 95. So he, he had been on the show, on Johnny's show, uh, once before. Okay? And he showed some art. And he was, in, he was in process of doing a portrait of Johnny. And, oh, I, will, I will link to a, a YouTube video of the two uh, appearances. If they're edited, but you'll get the gist. And he, he tried to do a portrait of Johnny, and he, he, he couldn't quite get it. He wanted to take it back and, and, re, and keep working on it. So Johnny said, okay, great, we'll have you back. And they did. And he came back, and he gave up on that one. He gave up on doing it. So he just did a whole new one. <laughs> God. I looked, I just, you know... I just, <laughs> it was, 
here's here's what I did. <clears throat> After I got done watching the show, and when I finally went up to bed, Amy was up in you know bed. She was drawing. You know, she's an artist too, and she's good. Uh, she, she she could paint the human figure much better. She, you know, the Grandma Moses oh, perspective. What's that? What's perspective? I don't. Isn't everything on the same plane? Okay, <clears throat> human anatomy. <laughs> John Sewell says, "What's that? You mean arms aren't made of spaghetti?" <sighs> so I go up to uh, up to bed, <clears throat> and I'm kind of grumpy. And Amy says, "What's up?" And I said, "You know." I think I'm going to do this. I think I'm going to get a great big paintbrush. And I'm going to get all kinds of just real bright colors. And get a big canvas. And I'm going to stick the paintbrush up my ass. And I'm going to use that to paint whatever. And then I'll get some art in the Smithsonian. And I'll get it beyond Carson twice. Well, not Carson because he's dead. But you know what I mean. Twice. Good night, Adolfo. Good night, Frau Blucher. <sighs> None too soon. I tell you. Uh, you know, art is subjective. It's... It's... I... I it's... I, it's uh, oh, my! Look at this! Be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You can listen to Dim on Radio. <laughs> this is your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, reminding you, sleep with the lights off. can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for, for tuning, tuning us in. in. Well, well, I'm going to hell. hell.